In reality television, the people are represented by two separate but equally obsessed attorneys. This is their podcast. Hi, I'm Ceci. And I'm Angela. And this is the Bravo Docket. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Bravo Docket. We're going to pick up where we left off, but before we get into that, let's talk about the earrings. You want to get into that? Yeah, I watched the episode of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills where Erica is in Spain and she apparently got an email from her lawyers and she wanted to share what she deemed as good news with the rest of her castmates. And according to Erica, she got good rulings from the court and the way Erica described it on the show and to her castmates was that the court couldn't prove that the earrings were from client trust money so the earrings should have never been taken in the first place and that's pretty close to a direct quote of what Erica said well I knew that was completely wrong when I saw it so as soon as I had the opportunity I went back to the actual documents and did an Instagram post that lays out how that's incorrect. And there's really only two ways to look at it. Either Erica knew it was incorrect and she was lying to her castmates and then by proxy to the audience when she said that, or she didn't understand the orders. So that money for the earrings was taken out of a client trust account. The court found that. That's undisputed. (laughs) If you want more details, go to our Instagram. I have it all on there on a post. And there's really long pleadings that both sides have filed with the court because it was remanded, which means sent back to the bankruptcy court after Erica's appeal. And that's still ongoing. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. And yes, we know the earrings have been auctioned off, but this is for the proceeds of the earrings. Yeah, there was also some people saying that she turned in the wrong earrings or something like that. Did you see that? Yeah. And I know that there was a question of it. I don't know that that's been proven one way or the other. I haven't seen anything. They were appraised at a different amount and they were described slightly differently. So I don't have a lot of info on that part of it. All right. So where we left off was we were talking about how someone had interviewed Tom Girardi's estranged daughter, and that was Dr. Goldstein. And she had been estranged for him for a number of years, but then came back into his life in 2021. And she became concerned about his ability to live alone. And just as a recap, this is anecdotal evidence from 
fact witnesses of Girardi's supposed decline. He'd always had people to manage his medication, take care of his home, and was unlikely to learn how to do it then. He wasn't driving anymore. He made notes about his practice, but his daughter believed a lot of his notes were gibberish. He could not recall details regarding family members, including thinking his grandson was his nephew. He occasionally, or she occasionally had to remind him how to shower, get fully dressed, or change his clothes. In February of 2021, Girardi's longtime lawyer friend, Richard Maramo, sent a text message to Girardi's brother, which was then forwarded to Girardi's attorney, providing an example of Girardi's earlier loss of orientation as to place in March 2020. Specifically, Maramo explained that in March 2020, he ran into Girardi in the lobby of the federal court and quickly ascertained that Girardi was looking for a particular department of the Superior Court and was in the wrong building. We talked about this one a little bit in our previous episodes. Maramo became concerned for his friend because he knew Girardi had appeared hundreds, if not thousands of times in Superior Court over the previous three decades. A defense expert also interviewed Girardi's longtime housekeeper, who in early 2021, transitioned from being Girardi's housekeeper to his caregiver. She helped to care for him for about seven months before he moved into Belmont Village. Girardi's housekeeper reported that she first noticed a change after the 2017 motor vehicle accident, giving examples that he could not make a sandwich, which we discussed this one last time too, and that he would wear the same socks three or four days in a row, and that he would bring home dirty, empty styrofoam cups from the office. So, One thing that is compelling, and again, we're reading here from the government's order, or not from the government, we're reading here from the judge's order finding that Girardi is competent to stand trial. So everything that the court put in the order, the court is either noting, I did look at this evidence, I didn't ignore it, I didn't disregard it, I reviewed it, and I found it to not, you know, be compelling enough to find him incompetent, or I did look at it and here's why. I didn't find it to be credible. The court notes that the first medical notation suggesting cognitive decline was around the time the conservatorship proceeding was initiated. So in late February 2021, after speaking with a defense expert involved in the conservatorship proceeding, Dr. Pachorek, who had made contemporaneous notes in 2019 stating that Girardi's memory was normal, Dr. Pachorek made an entry in his notes retrospectively noting a cognitive decline. The court quotes the retrospective notation, if you want to read that. Ever since his motor vehicle accident where he went off the cliff in 2017, fracturing his ankle and having head trauma, he has not been the same. There has been a marked change in his cognition, often repeating stories, talking about the past and focusing on past accomplishments. Over the last two years, socially, his gait became slightly impaired, more shuffling, and he seemed to get occasionally confused when out in public. And then Dr. Bertorek says he saw Girardi the same day he made that note, and he added for the first time in his office notes that Girardi had, quote, impaired memory and poor insight and judgment. Okay, so now we're going to get into the experts, right? Mm -hmm. First, the judge notes what Dr. Chu went over, and she's the one that I saw the day I went into court. And so Dr. Chu went over past brain scans that other doctors had done on Tom Girardi. She went over the test that Dr. Wood gave Tom, and then she did three interviews of Tom. Two were over Zoom. One was in person. She wasn't asked by Tom's defense counsel to test whether he was competent to stand trial. She was asked to evaluate the presence of an etiology of defendant's dementia, its progression and severity, and defendant's prognosis, which, I mean, she's not 
that's not her field is not competency. So that makes sense that they wouldn't have asked her to do that. She's a neurologist. So then she testified at the hearing regarding the significance of hippocampal atrophy and noted that the hippocampi are associated with the encoding of one's short-term memories. There's a strong correlation between hippocampal volume and memory. Dr. Wood was probably the defense's expert that did the most tests on Tom. She did the standard tests on him for testing competency and things like confabulation and the standard tests for seeing if he's competent or not. And one of her findings concerning Tom's memory was that the most marked cognitive impairment was in the domain of memory. His immediate memory, so his ability to repeat a brief story, was low average. However, he demonstrated mild to severe impairment across tasks assessing memory, list learning, orientation, and visual memory, with little to no recall after longer delays of about 20 minutes. Mr. Girardi also made significant memory errors confusing foils for familiar words, during the interview, there were significant confabulations and preservations relating to his beliefs about the current situation that persisted despite feedback. She said that as to his competency to stand trial, she conducted a semi-structured clinical interview that assesses key aspects of the competency, including ability to understand the nature of the proceedings, understand the possible consequences, and communicate with counsel, which is exactly what needs to be tested to see if he is competent. And she expressed that while defendant retains a good factual understanding of court proceedings, he lacks the sufficient ability to consult with his attorney with a reasonable degree of rational understanding. The former is true, so his ability to retain factual understanding because of his lengthy career as an attorney, whereby his general knowledge remains intact as crystallized knowledge. So that is more resistant to the impact of aging and dementia and than learning and fluid reasoning. She said, as to more recent events, Tom did not freely recall the allegations of the indictment. He was able to recall some information after 24 hours, but not after one week. As to the likely outcomes of the case against him, he answered that it is 100% likely that he would be found not guilty, which she believed demonstrated a lack of appreciation of the risk of an adverse outcome, which raises the potential for inadequate participation in his own defense. Nevertheless, as the court notes, defendant was able to converse intelligently with Dr. Wood about potential defenses when presented with hypothetical charges, including those charged in the indictment. So he didn't understand what he was facing, but he could come up with defenses to someone being charged with the same crimes as him. I just feel like someone at Girardi's age is going to have some memory issues. I don't doubt that the brain scans show some decline but I think that's where when it, you know, when it says Girardi was able to converse intelligently with Dr. Wood about potential defenses when presented with hypothetical charges, including those charged in the indictment. I think that's where his ego comes out and he can't help it. You know, I still don't think he's lying here. I, I honestly don't. But does it matter? Like if he's able to help out, does it matter? I mean, the court found that he meets the legal standard of competency that's required in order for him to face these criminal charges. I still think he's exaggerating it quite a bit. I don't think so. I just, <laughs> I don't. I'm older and more jaded than you. <laughs> but I really don't. And I think it's also after we're going to have a special guest on soon. And just after hearing her experience and what she probably would have done or how she would have interpreted the evidence, I, I don't know. I really don't think he's exaggerating. But I don't think it really matters. If he can help out his counsel, it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I know, know I'm excited to hear that interview. Yeah, she clearly has a lot more experience than I do in this, but it was enlightening. Well, who did you interview, first of all? So I interviewed Monica, who's a longtime listener of the podcast, and she is a public defender who works specifically defending people who are facing criminal charges. But also, once they've made a challenge of competency, she's the one that comes in and argues that they're incompetent to stand trial. So this is her wheelhouse, 100%. Her main thing was that there's a lot that the court here isn't focusing on that probably would have supported a different outcome. And especially with malingering, she was like, that's a that's an argument every every government raises to challenge this. And once you say it, you can't really unring that bell. We talked for like 55 minutes. She said yeah. it way better than I could. But that's just a preview. Which, by the way, y'all, if you know a public defender or you meet a public defender, buy them a drink or a cup of coffee or something. They are truly underpaid and overworked and our justice system cannot function correctly without them. So, Yeah, agreed. Okay, so she said, given the inability to recall the facts of his current situation, defendant does not have a realistic appraisal of his current situation, risks, and options and cannot retain that information when provided. She said overall limitations in Mr. Girardi's ability to assist counsel were primarily related to his inability to recall and retain specific case information and the specifics of his current situation. So then she noted that there were some confabulations that he made, and this was during the testing process. He would just come up with things that were not true, and she would remind him that that's actually not true, but he'd stick on and say it, repeat it. So it involved his belief that he was still practicing law, which other people have said that he still believed that, like his longtime caretaker, and then one of his caretakers at his assisted living facility, that Girardi Keys was still operating. He was at Sunrise to meet with clients. So that was his assisted living facility. And then twice during the interview, he identified George Bush as the current president. So he's stuck in the <laughs> 90s. Wait, was that the 90s? He's stuck in the 2000s. Well, there were two George Bushes, so it could be mm-hmm. <laughs> either way. True, I'm right. <laughs> I'm no matter what, you're right. <laughs> both ways. All right, then Dr. Schroeder. This is shorter. So Dr. Schroeder, he just directly responded to one of the government's experts stating that he thought the validity tests that the expert gave to Tom were ill-suited to dementia patients. And the court also noted that the defense expert's argument that Girardi had late-onset Alzheimer's disease had been excluded based on negative amyloid PET scans. And I got curious, so I looked this up, and the scan visualizes plaques present in the brain, which are prime suspects in damaging and killing nerve cells in Alzheimer's. Before this type of PET scan, these plaques could only be detected by examining the brain at autopsy. I will note we did talk about this in the episode because the one where I had gone and listened to the expert because she's the one who originally said that he had late onset Alzheimer's. But then once she did the PET scan, she realized that's not what he has and switched her diagnosis to dementia. Oh, in case we didn't define it earlier, in psychology, confabulation is a memory error consisting of the production of fabricated, distorted, or misinterpreted memories about oneself or the world. Government's experts. So one of the things the government's expert, Dr. Goldstein, noted was that Girardi's conversation with her built upon itself, with Girardi at one point reminding Dr. Goldstein that, as he had said 15 times, he was not a criminal lawyer, and for that reason, he didn't know the answer to her specific questions. And she also noted that after Girardi disclaimed any knowledge of the charges filed against him, he demonstrated 
no interest in reviewing the indictments after he was provided with paper copies of the indictment from this case and from the criminal case related to the Lion Air matter, which I think they're saying that shows that his intentional, willful blindness to it, because if she showed him the paperwork and he looked at it, then she asked him questions about, well, how do you understand these charges? Do you understand these facts? That could have been very damaging for him as far as a competency determination. So Dr. Goldstein, the government's expert, observed that Girardi's confabulation was solely on the topics of his legal, financial, and vocational status, all of which are related. In contrast to those confabulations, Girardi revealed accurate recall of events caused by the COVID-19 pandemic that adversely affected law firms that focused on litigation. Specifically, Girardi recalled that the COVID-19 pandemic resulted in courts shutting down for months, which caused delays in reaching settlements due to lack of trials and other court dates, in, and which in turn also led to reduction of support staff or of support staff hours in law firms. Another government expert, Dr. Darby, found Girardi's patterns of confabulation to be atypical and non-credible. Confabulations, as we previously explained, and as Dr. Darby explained, are beliefs of persons with genuine memory impairment that are used to fill gaps in memory with explanations that are not accurate or true. According to Dr. Darby, Girardi expresses many confabulations, including that he still lives at home, continues to work at Girardi Keys, and was not named in a civil case with criminal implications. Other confabulations relate to statements regarding historical events, such as the identity of presidents and details regarding major wars. Dr. Darby explained that these latter confabulations are atypical because confabulations generally involve, quote, personal memories rather than factual information. Dr. Darby explained that Girardi's claimed lack of memory about overlearned basic factual information about presidents and historical events, such as who was president during the Civil War and who fought in World War II, are not generally the subject of confabulations in patients with genuine memory impairment. Instead, Dr. Darby believes that these latter statements are not confabulatory at all and that they are instead evidence of malingering. I don't think it's completely fair to say that because he's not remembering factual knowledge that he learned over and over again in school that it doesn't show that he has memory problems. Because, I don't know, like, I've been looking it up and it's like you forget common words, basic things. And those are the things that people usually downplay. It gets brought up and people actually recognize that there's a problem when they don't recognize you or names. I really only know from my personal experience with a family member. I think I understand what you're saying and I think I understand what they're saying. I think what Dr. Darby is saying is that it's atypical to have someone who sort of fills in other things, as in, oh, the president right now is George Bush, as opposed to the type of confabulations where people, in order to not appear like they have memory issues, kind of make things up or sort of invent scenarios in their head. So because you normally involve personal memories rather than factual information. So I think he's saying the typical display of this type of impairment is where somebody is filling in gaps with personal information that they're putting together in their own head to try to make things make sense to them, make the world around them make sense, as opposed to, you know, getting the president wrong or something. But I guess, was he asked who the pre- like? Obviously, the other expert that I was talking about asked him who the president was. All I have is what's in the order, but it says mm-hmm. Dr. he claimed lack of memory about overlearned basic factual information about presidents and historical events. So they claiming he didn't remember who was president during the Civil War and who fought in World War II. I mean, 
also the things I learned in school are some of the first things I forget. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like I cannot honestly remember things from elementary school. I don't know. My memory is so good in a lot. Like, oh, mine's I'm, horrible. I have kind horrible. of a crazy good memory, but then I don't remember where I put my keys. I can kind of scroll back through my brain like I'm opening up browser pages and, and recite conversations verbatim. But then if somebody is giving me verbal directions on how to get somewhere, I just hear circus music in my head and I will not remember anything they said. And I constantly lose my phone and my keys. So I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, carrying on. During the interviews, Girardi refused to silence his cell phone and took calls from his wife. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Specifically, after having said earlier he did not remember having a third wife, i.e. Erica, he answered a phone call from the woman who had, in fact, been his third wife for 20 years, accurately remembering she was leaving for Spain on that day to film a television show and accurately identifying her as an ex. It's interesting that Erica is calling right Tom. before Spain, which are the episodes we're watching right now. Yeah, yeah. So right before Erica left for Spain, she's calling Jardy. I don't know what yeah. about, but she's calling apparently and telling him that she's leaving. And he remembered that she was leaving for Spain, as he did with Dr. Darby. Girardi gave incorrect answers to questions regarding current events and certain facts, such as Los Angeles sports teams, civil rights leaders, and the assassinations of JFK and RFK. So he was asked. Yeah. Specific to Girardi's ability to assist defense counsel, Girardi discussed how a document case focuses more on relevant documents than on testimony. So as a defendant, Girardi would be able to help his counsel find things. He would call firm accountants and he would make sure that counsel had access to all the documents that might assist in his defense. He also understood many key issues regarding the sentencing of a convicted defendant. Girardi stated that a criminal defendant would be incompetent to stand trial if he can't remember what he did. But when asked about his own situation, Girardi denied knowledge that Girardi keys had been closed, denied knowledge that the firm was in bankruptcy proceedings, denied having a conservator, and denied living at Sunrise, saying he was there to meet with clients, that he merely stayed overnight, and that he was to return to his house in Pasadena tomorrow. 
He denied being disciplined by the California State Bar, denied having been disbarred, and denied having his assets frozen. I have no doubt that he doesn't want any of those facts in his brain, you know, too. Maybe there's also some willful blindness. Just pretend that none of this is happening. Yeah, but it also happened very within the past couple of years. Yeah. So if his memory is with things a week or a year on, this would fit. Yeah. And so to your point that he is genuinely suffering from some impairment, the government expert expressed the opinion that as of early 2021, Girardi was not experiencing dementia. Instead, evidence she detailed, this is from the court order, pointed to the less severe diagnosis of mild cognitive impairment, also referred to as mild neurocognitive disorder. Dr. Goldstein found significant the fact that Girardi's primary care record did not note any cognitive impairment before December 2020. She opined that Girardi's primary care record is instead significant as to cognitive stability after the 2017 motor vehicle accident, and that the only pre-2021 neurological problems noted were related to balance and a hand tremor. The court noted in the order that also significant to Dr. Goldstein's opinions were the videotaped judgment debtor examination of Girardi, the podcast featuring Girardi, the continuing legal education session featuring a panel moderated by Girardi. So during a judgment debtor examination, which is similar to a deposition, Dr. Goldstein observed Girardi is demonstrating naming slash word retrieving difficulties of a severity she could not accurately ascertain given the adversarial nature of the proceeding. But she also observed that Girardi otherwise demonstrated normal cognitive functioning. Specifically, Girardi used and understood language correctly with some difficulty noted due to Girardi's diminished hearing and failure to use hearing aids during the examination. Dr. Goldstein likewise observed the following, no confusion or loss of train of thought, no repetition, repeated expressions of anger reflected of the rejection of an offer to settle the dispute, accurate statement of then current financial condition of Girardi Keys as having funds in an amount just enough to make payroll, appropriate invocation of the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination, recollection of a claim of 25% ownership in the building that housed Girardi Keys, the tracking of events of that morning, the tracking of his own testimony, recollection of recent events, and his understanding of the purpose of the examination. As for Girardi's participation in the podcast and as moderator of the Consumer Attorneys of California presentation, Dr. Goldstein noted, quote, mild word finding slash retrieval difficulties were noted, but his tracking ability and ability to remain on point and respond relevantly and cogently were intact. Dr. Goldstein opined that voicemails and letters left by or authored by Girardi in November and December 2020 demonstrated his understanding of his cases, the operation of the law firm in the midst of the pandemic, his understanding of the circumstances related to a former client who was represented by separate counsel in her attempt to get her settlement funds distributed, and his understanding that professional ethics required him to communicate with his former client's lawyer rather than the client herself. She also noted that by the end of December 2020 and continuing for almost six months thereafter, Girardi began contacting former Girardi Keese lawyers to attempt to start another practice, reflecting his understanding that Girardi Keese was no longer operational. Ultimately, Dr. Goldstein opined, and again to your point, Ceci, that Girardi is partially malingering, meaning that he engages in an intentional exaggeration of his bona fide condition of minor cognitive impairment. 
So Dr. Goldstein outlined a number of examples establishing that Girardi was able to track his conversations with her and has an intact memory for current and recent events. She also noted the complete absence of any subjective reports of any cognitive impairments prior to January 2020. So the court brings that up over and over again in this order because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. If this was really happening, there should be some private medical records that note that there are concerns about this, at least, you know, for a while. But instead, there's absolutely nothing in Girardi's medical records until he started getting in trouble. On the issue of malingering, Dr. Goldstein stated, currently, I find no compelling evidence that Mr. Girardi is suffering from a dementia syndrome. To the contrary, there is compelling evidence that he is not. Mr. Girardi's clinical presentation is not one of amnesia, but in my opinion, a deliberate attempt at deception an intentional embellishment of mild cognitive impairment for secondary gain, in this particular matter, an adaptive attempt to avoid prosecution, and the complex delusional system he claims that his firm remains open and that he continues to practice law, that he has never been disbarred, and that he is engaging in ongoing meetings with other practicing attorneys on open cases may be wishful thinking. Indeed, Mr. Girardi appeared to be attempting to salvage his practice prior to being disbarred, but this is not psychosis. It is a clinical presentation that lacks credibility and sophistication. So too do claims of having no knowledge or awareness of his legal and financial predicaments. Malingering is simply the only reasonable explanation for Mr. Girardi's inconsistent and nonsensical presentation. Wow, she really kind of read him for failure. <laughs> Dr. Goldstein concluded, Mr. Girardi clearly has a rational and factual understanding of the charges against him, the proceedings against him that may follow, and has the capacity to consult meaningfully with his attorneys toward a defense with a reasonable degree of rational understanding if he so chooses. His insistence on being unaware of his legal or financial situation is willful and deliberate, and he can opt to be cooperative if he wishes to. Mr. Girardi's intellectual cognitive abilities are sufficiently intact and his psychiatric status sufficiently stable for him to follow, understand, interpret, and participate meaningfully in upcoming proceedings and to aid his attorneys meaningfully in a legal defense. He is competent to stand trial. Finally, Girardi's decline in hygiene was noted to coincide with his forensic evaluations beginning in April 2023. Most notably, Girardi, quote, began wearing the same burgundy sweater to all evaluations, actively searching for the sweater in the dirty clothes if needed, end quote. This behavior was not noted previously, and Dr. Darby found particularly probative the fact that according to the assisted living staff, Girardi would search out for the same clothes day after day. He explained that wearing the same clothes on successive days is found in patients with memory problems, but that is because they simply forget to change clothes. Such patients typically do not actively seek out dirty clothes to wear, which tends to show intact memory rather than memory problems. He remembers he has a burgundy sweater and he is trying to find it. Dr. Darby also opined that Girardi can properly assist his counsel in his defense. He has the general ability and was able to describe the types of evidence helpful to the defense. And although Girardi subjectively reports a lack of awareness of the charges, Dr. Darby saw this as more likely the result of malingering than of actual memory loss, noting that Girardi demonstrated examples of the ability to learn and retain information over time. Girardi frequently noted to Dr. Darby that the accounting records were highly relevant to his defense, that he knows he did not steal from his clients, and that he suspected his accountant, who is his co-defendant, of engaging in the type of conduct of which he is accused. In laying out this opinion, the court goes through multiple points of why it found some of the 
evidence presented either not compelling or not persuasive. So she goes through the different scans that were done and reviewed from 2017 to 2023 and concludes, notably, although such atrophy, so remember they found atrophy in his brain, is generally considered to be correlative to memory loss, cognitive impairment, and or dementia, it is not a one-to-one correlation, and persons with brain atrophy can be cognitively unimpaired, which Dr. Chu acknowledged, so that was the defense's expert, that neuroimaging alone cannot determine whether someone has dementia. Indeed, the neuroimaging does not provide particularly helpful insight into Girardi's present cognitive condition at all. Therefore, having found that there is no conclusion to be drawn from the neuroimaging results, the court examines other evidence of record. The court starts with really the only objective data that we have, which is the neuroimaging, and says, look, it's not particularly helpful, and you can't determine whether or not someone has dementia on neuroimaging alone. There is no conclusion that we can absolutely draw from this. So the court then moves on to the next the next reason states that comprehensive neuropsychological tests do not support Girardi's experts' opinions that Girardi's short-term memory is severely impaired. The court says that the test results do not support a finding of severe impairment in any domain. Instead, they show an overall baseline cognitive function in at least the low average range, including the domains of learning and memory. The court says looking at all of these, you know, the neurocognitive tests administered, tests administered show some baseline cognitive functioning in the low average range, and that he does have some functioning in learning and memory, at least enough to be competent to stand trial. What was the next one, Ceci? Written and recorded evidence that is contemporaneous with Girardi's first claim of incompetency showed no significant cognitive impairment. The experts opining on the subject agree that neurodegenerative diseases relevant to Girardi are slowly progressive. Thus, Girardi's reported dramatic decline from November 2020 to mid-November through January 2021 deviates from the normal trajectory of any likely neurodegenerative diseases from which Girardi may suffer. Thus, given the slow progression of neurodegenerative diseases and given that Girardi's first claim of cognitive impairment occurred in a legal proceeding on December 14th, writings and recordings in the months and weeks before this claim became relevant. So then it goes through, you know, the podcast that we talked about, the CLE that he moderated, certain letters that he sent to his clients, and it ends with that his performance is cogent and intelligent. The court's saying the the written and recorded evidence that happened at the same time as his first claim of incompetency do not show his reported dramatic decline. Jardy's claiming to have a reported dramatic decline from November 2020 through mid-December through January 2021. And the court saying, looking at the written and recorded evidence of Girardi during that time, that is not consistent with this supposed dramatic decline that he's claiming. Then the court found that the anecdotal evidence is mixed and is of limited evidentiary value. The court says the anecdotal reports of Girardi's alleged cognitive decline are mixed. They were also all made after the fact. That is, they were made no earlier than when the conservatorship action was filed. Contemporaneous accounts would have been particularly probative because by early 2021, a motivation arose for Girardi to purposely exaggerate his symptoms. The post hoc anecdotal accounts of Girardi's purported decline are just of limited evidentiary value. And so the court's saying, like, look, I did look at those, I reviewed them, and I found them to be of limited evidentiary value. They're saying many reports 
look back to the date of Girardi's 2017 motor vehicle accident, the same one that Erica discussed in detail on the Housewives of Beverly Hills, as a point is when Girardi began declining, but no one spoke up before January 2021. And I mean, this is a court looking at this, but think about how all of us as Bravo fans were like, where (laughs) did this come from? You know, so the court's basically having the same reaction to it that we did when Erica brought it up out of nowhere. Next point. So the timing of Girardi's reported symptoms is highly suspect. On November 21st, 2020, he moderated that panel. He commented on the detailed presentations of the lawyers three weeks later when he was facing civil contempt sanctions and facing accusations that he unlawfully withheld settlement funds from his clients. That's when he first had his first claim of mental impairment. Notably, the medical records preceding this hearing revealed no mention of any ongoing mental impairment and no mention of any type of progressive cognitive decline. As noted previously, Girardi's recorded presentations in October through November are irreconcilable with the claims of impairment made on behalf of Girardi in the December 14, 2020 hearing and in connection with the conservatorship. So this kind of echoes the other section. Yeah. And the court notes that The defense experts, Dr. Goldstein and Dr. Darby's clinical observations support the conclusion that Girardi continues to exaggerate his symptoms. The court notes that these experts have education, training, and experience in assessing their subject's presentation and communications beyond the mere surface level of persons engaged in casual conversation. Each spent multiple days interviewing Girardi and each concluded that he was malingering. This is just the court saying, I found the government's experts to be credible. The court said Girardi's purported inability to remember was mostly focused on topics where such an inability would benefit him. For instance, he had no recall of the charges against him, but expressed that he knew that he did not engage in the type of wrongdoing with which he is charged. That's the court saying you can't be smart and stupid at the same time. Then they bring up Erica again, saying his memory of the third wife is undercut by the fact that during a clinical interview, he answered a phone call from her. Erica must not have known that he was doing that interview when she called him. And so, do you want to... The end? Yes. The end. The legal standard for competency to stand trial is met. Having found as a factual matter that defendant is at least partially malingering and that despite his denials, defendant retains the memory of and or is able to recall the existence and nature of the charges made in this case. The court concludes that defendant meets the relevant legal standard of competency to be tried on the criminal charges set forth in the indictment. Defendant is both able, this is quote, to understand the nature and consequences of the proceedings against him and to assist properly in his defense, which at the outset of part one, and every time we've talked about competency, we've mentioned this statute. This is the law for finding that someone is competent to stand trial. So she's saying he's met it. He's met it. Referring to that standard, it says here it is much the same. At their zenith, Girardi's superior cognition and his abilities as a civil trial attorney would have been likely to result in an exceptional ability to participate in his own defense. But any actual diminishment of these abilities or of his cognition is not as severe as Girardi presents it, and stripped of the feigning and or exaggeration described by the experts and found by the court herein, Girardi retains the ability to assist properly in his defense. They quote the statute again. Thus, as discussed extensively herein, Girardi meets both parts of the legal standard for competency to stand trial. So there you have it. I'm excited to listen to Ceci's upcoming interview with the public defender that practices in this area. 
And I'm sure I will learn a lot. And I feel bad that I wasn't at that interview. It's okay. <laughs> Having some technical difficulties. We will likely have additional episodes on this as it proceeds. And then there's some really interesting stuff in the motions that have been filed in the bankruptcy court over the earrings or what will be the proceeds of the earrings. There's a lot of stuff in there that's really, really interesting. And I Erica, mean, I'm sure... But like you said, like I've said many times, there could be a whole podcast on this stuff. Yeah. But it's like, there's also a lot of cases we haven't touched on I know, yet. You know? I know. We've got to do the Manzo lawsuit. Yeah. There's Everyone's so asking much about stuff. it. And yeah. Then, and then there's just so much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, we want to get into all this stuff too. But yeah, a lot. Anyway. There's a lot of content. So don't worry. We are loaded up with content and we we will be getting stuff out. So don't worry. And if we don't, it's not because we hate you. No, it's just because we (laughs) we're just busy. (laughs) Before we go, this is editing sassy. We posted on our Instagram, and I'm sure if you're on social media and Reddit, there is a new Girardi documentary coming out. So it's the Housewife and the Hustler Two: The Reckoning, and Angela and I got to participate in it this time, and we are so excited that we were asked to do it. And it's because of our coverage of the Tom Durretti competency hearing. So thank you for your support. Like we do not get those opportunities without the interest that you guys have in the podcast. So ultimately, this is because all of you enjoy the content. So we're just so appreciative. That comes out or the trailer is out. We posted it on our Instagram. That's out now. And it will be out on Hulu on February 12th. So go and stream it. We don't really know what else is in there. I know it's co-produced by the LA Times, and the LA Times are the ones who really broke all this news and did great investigative journalism into everything. I'm just as excited as everyone else is to watch this. Our next episode will be an interview that I did with our listener. As always, if you guys have more experience in these areas that we're talking about, please feel free to reach out to us. We've never interviewed someone before, and I liked it. So let's do more of that. Reach out to us. Our email is thebravodocket at gmail.com. Yeah, that's all. Thank you so much, legal team. The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network. <laughs>